Hello and welcome to the Lions Podcast. I am Matt Brown. That is Stephen Anders, and this is the NFC East edition. I'm sure there's a couple of fan bases out there who have been waiting on this one. Big, big, big expectations for a couple of the teams in this division, Stephen, and a couple that, uh, hey, look, let's not say it's completely it's completely off the table for them to have successful seasons, but I think that there will need to be kind of on the right side of variance on a couple of, of different things along the way, but we do have a very interesting division none the least. Eagles and Cowboys, obviously, legit Super Bowl aspirations. Giants fans at least have something to be positive about after making the postseason a year ago and winning a playoff game. Uh, We may put a little damper on that positivity. We'll see. And then the Commanders, you know, you get Eric Biennemi over from the Kansas City Chiefs as your new new offensive coordinator. We'll see whether that matters or not. But, um, you know, it's, it's at least a lot more competitive of a division than a lot of the others we've talked about yeah i'm you know listen it do i think that this is going to be you know the end all be all division here i think probably the afc north top to bottom is a little bit stronger than this division but there's some intriguing stuff that could happen here i'm not like i'm not writing this one off as like def as it couldn't be maybe when it's all said and done the best division you know in the nfl um whenever we're looking back on all this but let's look at the odds the Eagles are your favorite, and it, uh, about the best price you're going to find, minus 110 for them to win the NFC East. If you want the Cowboys, you can find a plus 190 that is out there. The Giants' best number you're going to find is a plus 850, and the Commanders' best number you're going to find is 16-1. to 1. Let's kick things off here with the Eagles. Steven, I, I don't think... I think you would have to be almost fooling yourself if you did not go into this season thinking the Eagles were one of the three best teams in the NFL, if not the best team in the NFL. I I think you would be doing some really interesting mental gymnastics. A team that went 14 and three last year, and in my opinion, you know, might have gotten better, you know, in in the offseason. And I know it's kind of crazy when you look and you say, well, you lost Javon Hargrave. But yeah, I think you got the best guy in the entire. NFL draft. I mean, seriously, when I look at Jalen Carter, I understand there was some off field stuff, but I think this guy is legitimately could just come in and be a wrecking ball in his rookie season. Then you get Nolan Smith, who's going to start for you as well in the first round. So you go bang, bang, you get you a, you know, a backup offense, kind of swing offensive lineman there in the third round to go along with one of the, if not the best offensive lines in all the NFL as we move in. See, okay, look, I, you can, you see what I'm saying? I think you're squinting really hard if you're trying to poke holes in this team. Completely agree with you. We we had kind of a discussion the other day just on, on our Slack, and I posed the question, has anybody in the NFC gotten closer to the Eagles than the 49ers were at the end of the year last year? Has the gap gotten closer from the Eagles to the number two team in the NFC no matter which number two team you have in the NFC, because that's a debate as well. I think I think most people would say the 49ers, but as a 49ers fan, I have offensive line concerns. I have, you know, as, as optimistic as I've been about Brock Purdy, he still was a seventh round rookie quarterback. So I am kind of of the opinion at this point, Matt, that the gap may have actually gotten a little bigger between the Eagles and the rest of the NFC. Now, the issue is the schedule because the Eagles had one of the easiest schedules in the NFL last year. That's how they compiled all those wins to the number one seed in the NFC. 
it's now the number 12 strength of schedule if you go by opponent win totals. And once you get to their week 10 bye, it's kind of a, a juggernaut at Kansas City versus Buffalo versus San Francisco at Dallas at Seattle in consecutive weeks. So they're going to be tested a lot more in this regular season than they were a year ago. But I still at least find it a little confusing that there's been so much interest in the betting market to run and bet the Niners over 10 and a half wins this year. Mm-hmm. The juice is way to the over on that, but very little interest to bet the Eagles over 11 and a half. And I know it's a ceiling number. You're not going to see numbers much higher than that in the win total market, but it's clear they're a better team and the juice is on the under on the Eagles for that win total. And I think it's pretty much just because of the schedule, because I can't see many issues in terms of the talent here. No, and so this open 10 and a half, I got in on the over 10 and a half. One of the first bets I put into my account, like you said, has since moved up to 11 and a half. And the reason I bet the win total as opposed to them to just win the division, Stephen, at the end of the day, I, we'll talk about the Cowboys in just a second. Like, I think the Eagles could have a phenomenal season and there still is a, there still is a world in which they don't win the division, right? And like, so I, I think this team could easily go 12 and five and be looking at a 13 and four, 14 and three Cowboys team. Now, do I think that's necessarily the case? I don't, but I would just rather take the over 10 and a half on the win total than I would for them to win the division. Now, now that it's moved to 11 and a half, I think at that point you probably are, I think you're probably just betting them to win the division because 12 wins most likely more times than not wins the, wins the division, but you should still sneak by on 11 wins. If, if, you know, Dallas happens to stumble somewhere along the way or whatever, or something like that. So I think that's probably the way to play it at this point. But, you know, I look at this, I look at this team. So let's talk. So if you do want to poke holes, right. It is a new offensive coordinator, Brian Johnson. It's a new defensive coordinator, Sean Desai. So the, the, they're, they do have to replace two coordinators with all yes. of that. But Stephen, let me tell you one of the things that makes replacing your coordinators really, really, really advantageous is when you walk in to an offense that has Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown and DeAndre Swift and Dallas Goddard and Devonta Smith and the best offensive line in all of the NFL. That makes an offensive coordinator's job much, much easier. And then, oh, by the way, the defensive coordinator is stepping into two lockdown corners in Slay and Bradbury. You have Maddox out of the slot whenever you're running nickel, who's an awesome slot corner. And now you still have this, this defensive line that now you're adding Jalen Carter, who, again, I think he's going to be a wrecking ball in year one. I, I mean, it makes a transition much, much, much easier for these coordinators to come in. Number one roster by PFF. And it, it starts in the trenches. Howie Roseman has emphasized O-line and D-line. You mentioned the O-line. As far as the def- defense is concerned, number one pass rush win rate. They had the number two pressure rate with a below average blitz rate, which I'm fond of saying is the only cheat code left for defenses in the mm-hmm. NFL. You have to get pressure without blitzing, and the Eagles have done that. And it comes from all over that, that defensive line and the edge. To your point with, with Jalen Hurts, I agree. Like You really have to try and kind of just find a nitpick here to find something wrong with this offense. The only thing I've really been able to find is that, that Jalen Hurts has not been good when under pressure. He was actually outside the top 32 in EPA per attempt when under pressure. But he's got the best <laughs> offensive line, so yeah. he's not getting pressured very often. So that's not a big concern for me. Um, there's been some some analysis out there that he's much better against man coverage passing the ball than he was against zone coverage. So 
Maybe we see defenses run a lot more zone coverage this year, but that also implies that the Eagles have to pass the ball a lot more. Mm -hmm. I just want to explain to everybody how dominant this rushing offense was a year ago. It's not that they were just number one in rush EPA and success rate. Their rush EPA numbers were so elite that it was better than 23 other teams passing EPA. So the Eagles were running the ball better than 23 other teams were passing the ball last year. That's how good this, this offense was. I understand the schedule is a lot more difficult, but this is still the elite team in the NFC. The problem is from a betting perspective, Matt, unlike last year, it's pretty much baked into every which way you can try and bet the Eagles yeah. at this point. So it, it's it's a lot more challenging this year to try and be profitable with the Eagles, I would say. Yeah, they're not sneaking up on anyone for sure. One of the other kind of uh, that, that, at least in my opinion, under the radar signings this offseason was the Eagles picking up Marcus Mariota as their backup quarterback because what you saw last year when Jalen Hurts went down for those few games when they put in Gardner Minshew, it just had to be a completely different offense. They had to run yeah. a completely different scheme with Gardner Minshew, and it just didn't work, right? It was just kind of broken. And now you bring in a dude who, do not mistake what I'm saying here, people. I don't want your angry tweets or like any comments in the, in the videos. I'm not saying that Marcus Mariota is Jalen Hurts. What I'm saying is, is you can at least run an offense that is similar to what you are running with Jalen Hurts because their skill sets are far more aligned than Gardner Minshew and Jalen Hurts. So you have, at least as an offensive coordinator, and we're talking about them having to make the offensive coordinator switch here, Stephen, is should your star happen to miss a game or two because of an ankle injury or whatever it might be, you can at least plug a guy in where you are not having to basically completely change everything you've been doing for the first however many games and all of that because Marcus Mariota is a mobile quarterback. He is a guy that you can run with. He is a guy that could run read options and different things and stuff like that. So you do have that kind of as a weapon as well. Again, I thought it was a pretty underrated signing. Completely agree with you. And if you look at the schedule, if they're in a position again where Jalen Hurts needs the rest to get ready for the playoffs, they have three more manageable games to end the year, two games against the Giants and one against Arizona. I think that becomes a lot more manageable when you have a quarterback that matches the system as the starter to your point. So um, under the radar signing for sure, but I think certainly notable for, for the Eagles. And, and the last thing I'll say is, you know, yes, they lost both of their coordinators, but I was never a fan of Jonathan Gannon on the defensive side. I think he's kind of the Kendall Roy of the NFL, to be honest with you, if, you've, if you're a succession fan. <laughs> Like, I think this is addition by subtraction. I, I don't think he was all that sharp. And I, I have all the confidence in the world that the Eagles can at least match what they did last year, if not improve, actually. Some of these other markets that you can play, Stephen, we talk about a lot um, are these last undefeated team yep, markets. Yep. And if Soft you look the schedule for them. Yeah, if you look, there is a pretty decent chance that they could be 8-0 heading into a game against Dallas. That is the home game, though, against Dallas. So you get the easier of the two games against Dallas in Week 9. Is it out of the realm of possibility that they are 9-0 and to start the season, then they go on by and then play the Chiefs on the road, which will be the only game they're an underdog all year, most likely. Um, again, barring injury, uh, is, as we always say. Um, I really like them to be the last undefeated team. Like, I mean, you're, you're starting Patriots, Vikings, Bucks, Washington, Rams, the Jets game is away, but listen, 
I think you and I both are aligned where it's like, yeah, the Jets are going to be better. I don't think they're going to be a wrecking ball by any stretch of the imagination. You get the right. Dolphins at home. Then the other game against Washington comes in week eight. Like, I think there is a scenario where this team is 8-0, you know, a decent amount of time. Like, you know, 33, 40% of the time, they're probably 8-0. Uh, coming out of that and so if that's the case there's a pretty good chance that they're the they're the last undefeated team I have a a long shot bet on the Saints in this market to be the last unbeaten team because of their schedule but at the at the price I got on the Saints around 25 to 1 there's no reason I couldn't also add the Eagles as well in this market I think they're um, plus 850 is the price I'm seeing right now on the Eagles to be the last unbeaten team and uh, I agree with you that at least in terms of the spread before their bye week that Jets game is the one where they're projected to be a, a dog. I think it's you know plus two and a half or something like that. I, I disagree with that. Um, I I still would take the Eagles on the road to win that game against the Jets. Um, I'm, that I, will be a teaser special for me if that is still in the case. If I can get if I can get the Eagles up to eight and a half in that game, yeah, you can you can believe that's going to be in the account. I love it's August sixteenth. We're already looking for teaser legs. I love it, absolutely love it. Uh, so yeah, I'm what, we're aligned what, here, man. It's tougher to find the, a spot for the Eagles, but that is one spot that's interesting if you want to find a little long shot. One last thing here: some of these previews we've done, guys, were kind of like, hey, listen, you know, mark on your calendar, date X, Y, Z, whatever. Come back, check in, do whatever. You can't wait if you do want to bet the win total in this team. You can't wait because. The, the the easy part of the schedule is at the beginning and then it gets hard after that. So you're actually going to get an inflated total if you wait here. And then that's when they hit the really, really tough. Now, if you wanted to be bearish on that, if you want to come in on an in season under, then the time to do that would be there in their buy in week 10, because yep. then it goes away at Kansas city. Then you get Buffalo. Then you get San Francisco. Then you get the away game at Dallas. Then you go away to Seattle as well. So it, that would be the time if you want to come in on the underside of things. But like, certainly if you want to play an over, you, you don't want to wait. There, this is one of the very few where we, I think we would definitely boldly advocate that you, you would want to get that number now. And the last thing I'll say in terms of a betting angle to try and exercise my opinion about the Eagles having a bigger margin at this point than they did last year in their conference. I'm going to look for some exactness for the Super Bowl. Basically, Eagles with one or two other teams for a Super Bowl exacta. And then we're looking at at least 30 to one, maybe 40, 50 to one. If, if I'm going to take a, a little bit more of a, a long shot to get out of the AFC, uh, that's where I would be looking here. If instead of just playing the Eagles at a very short price to win the NFC. Yeah, it's a. It's just, they're just so good top to bottom. It's very, I mean, really, if you, truly, it, if you can't even stop the run, like if a team isn't even required to pass it that much, which I think the Eagles will be more required to do that this year with a tougher schedule, but they just ran over you. If you can't even stop that, then it, you're dead on arrival, essentially. Yeah, it's just, I mean, we're talking number one offensive line, number one defensive line, top three secondary in a passing league that is so massive skill position wise you have uh, two stud receivers a stud tight end i mean it's, like, it's just, I, I, this is not a fantasy show but draft yeah. eagles because yeah. they shut it down in a ton of second halves last year so the ceiling could be even higher statistically for this offense yeah it's going to be it's going to be massive so we'll take a We'll, we'll take a, a, a big deep look at them on this win total. Like I said, I have the over 10 and a half. The 11 and a half yeah. is, you know, it's it's interesting. Maybe you can I do bet it. it. Full, yeah. full transparency. I did bet over 11 and a half. I yeah. acknowledge the schedule, but I'm betting on talent. 
Yeah, and and again, you, there's also the alternate totals out there, guys, if you feel a little skittish about that as well, so be sure and take advantage of that. Your second shot here in this division is the Dallas Cowboys. Again, you can find them as high as plus 190 out there in the market, which is pretty interesting because if you look, the Eagles are your second shot for the Super Bowl. They are only behind the Chiefs. The Cowboys are only below, at that point, Stephen, only below the Bills, the Niners, and the Bengals. Then you find the Cowboys from a Super Bowl outright in which you will find them about 15-1 to 1 in the market right now for this Dallas Cowboys team. You take a look, 12-5 and five last year. You get a schedule in which, yeah, it's kind of up and down. It's kind of up and down, but it's manageable for sure, specifically if you have uh, health running on your side here. We know Dak has been kind of beat up last couple of years, but Steven, I think it's the same deal that we're looking at, right? With, with the Eagles, you just look at this team on paper and you look at what they're going to be rolling out there. The trade for Stefan Gilmore, the trade for Brandon cooks. And don't give me the stuff about Brandon cooks is washed. Like Brandon cooks has found success when he's been on the field for just about every team that he's been out there. And now he doesn't even have to be the number two. If, if it comes down to it, like he could be the legit number three for this team and that takes a ton of pressure off of him but look defenses are going to have to account for him he's still a burner and that's going to open up so much stuff for cd lamb and michael gallup and you know tony pollard even out of the backfield and all of that like i i really do like this offense i mean i guess there's maybe minimal concerns on the defensive side you hear you hear parsons had to leave although it's injury considered minor did have to leave practice this is we're recording this by the way in the middle of august so if you're catching this way late uh hopefully he's okay but you know, you you have that, I guess, that you could kind of deal with. But man, on on paper, again, one of the best rosters in the NFL. I, I think Dan Quinn is the best defensive coordinator in the NFL because I look at the the talent on this defensive side, and I don't think it's as talented as the Eagles. I don't think it's as talented as the 49ers defenses of recent years, and yet still elite. Number one in pressure rate last year, despite only having the 13th highest blitz rate. Number one turnover margin in the past two years. Maybe there's some negative regression coming for that, but but Dan Quinn's done a, done a spectacular job. He's gotten a second uh, offers to have a second chance as a head coach. He's turned it down to stay here. He's done an amazing job in this role. Now I'm going to tell you why I'm extremely nervous about this team, and it has everything to do with the fact that they let Kellen Moore walk as offensive coordinator. They kind of handcuffed him a little bit if you listen to the quotes from Mike McCarthy and now it's Mike McCarthy's ship he's calling the plays and every quote you have read about this offense and what it'll look like this off this offseason has been concerning to me that they want to be more conservative that they want to run the ball more that they don't want to pass the ball as much which is the complete opposite of what you hear from head coaches like Andy Reid now I know they have Patrick Mahomes but you know, unless you have an offensive line like the Eagles, which the Cowboys have a decent offensive line, but it's not the Eagles. And you can impose your will and run the ball better than most teams can pass the ball. You should be passing the majority of the time. And the Cowboys haven't done that. So yeah. I have major concerns with Mike McCarthy taking over here for the offense. They were the number one red zone offense last year, but now they lose Kellen Moore. Probably some regression coming there. They were only 28th in, in pass block win rate a year ago. Four of those five offensive linemen return. And they, in terms of how often they ran the ball last year, before this emphasis this offseason of, of wanting to run the ball more, even before that, they were already 
one of the five most run-heavy teams on first downs in the first three quarters a year ago. And they did that despite not being good at it. They were bad at it. They were 22nd in rush EPA and 18th in rushing success rate when running the ball on first down in the first three quarters. So they were purposely making it harder to get first downs on the start of a new series. It didn't make any sense to me. There's more potential negative regression. The fact that they were one of the best teams in one score games a year ago, they were number two in fumble luck. They were top five in third down efficiency. So there's a lot of statistical reasons to think that regression's coming. And then if you're like me and believe that McCarthy is not a smart coach, that only increases the chances of that regression coming for this offense. So I have concerns here, Matt. I look at it. I look at this. I think that they sleepwalk to eight wins. Like, and so now, now really separating yourself is these games in which, you know, we could look at as toss up or maybe even, you know, they're just going to be flat out like big time dogs when it all, you know, by the time these games roll around and they're going to have to win some games that they're, you know, pretty big dogs. Cause I mean, listen, you go, you go the first like 12 weeks and look, there's going to be a couple of losses in there, but a lot of games you should be able to win. Then you get to Seattle, which I know you, you know, I'm, I'm high on Seattle this year. So you get a Seattle game in 13, a Philadelphia game in 14, a Buffalo game in 15, a Miami Mm -hmm. game in 16 and a Detroit game in 17. There is a, there is a universe in which you lose all five of those. I don't think that's necessarily the case here, but there is a world in which you lose all five of those. So you better have banked some wins early on in the season. Damn you, do, straight. You, you do close out week 18 with Washington and, and you'll win that game. But like if Seattle's better, like I think they will be, we know the Eagles are going to be good. We know Buffalo is going to be good. If Miami is better, which again, health, a lot of, of Tua certainly is going to play into that. But listen, if they're better and then Detroit, everybody's super high on Detroit. Like there, there is a world in which that's a five game stretch in which you go oh and five or one and four and things could get pretty dicey. I agree with you. I should add some more context to all the red flags I'm concerned about. I do think that the right side of their win total is the over and the market agrees. It's juiced way to the over at nine and a half, or you can get a 10 and a half at better juice. It's basically 10 at this point. Uh, and, and to your point, they are favored in eight of their games right now by three or more points. That's a really good floor. So we'll see about the toss up games. It wouldn't take much to get to the over on that win total. My opinion has been centered around just their ceiling in terms of a playoff or Super Bowl contender to come out of this Mm -hmm. conference. And I just don't think they're innovative enough, smart enough from a coaching perspective. I think not letting Kellen Moore cook, so to speak, was a mistake. They seem to think that the goal of the NFL is to get a lead and sit on it as opposed to scoring as many points as possible, Mm -hmm. which I could not disagree. I, I could not disagree with that conservative philosophy anymore. Like I am very much of the Andy Reid mindset when it comes to time of possession does not matter as much as scoring points. It shouldn't be like Chip Kelly levels. We saw why that failed before because defenses do get tired. And if you're not operating at a Patrick Mahomes level, then it could tire your defense out and make it tough. But yeah, this, this conservative mindset is not what I want to back with my wallet. Yeah. I, it, for me, Dallas is a, has, is a pretty stay away team for me. And specifically because of one, I don't believe in McCarthy really as a head coach. And then now as a head coach and a play caller, I think that's doubly yeah. concerning. Right. And so it, all the talent in the world, and don't get me wrong. Listen, I named it off to you. Right. I mean, like, 
They are going to have big names on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. They are going to have playmakers on the offensive side of the defensive side of the ball. Getting Zach Martin back happy. They upped his pay. Steven, that's good. You bring in, you know, again, one of the very best offensive linemen in all the NFL. Now he's back in camp. So you're not having to worry about all that nonsense that's going on there. But at the end of the day, these guys are going to have to run plays that are called. And if that's terrible play calls and not utilizing these skill positions that we actually think are pretty good for them and some of the strengths that they have, it doesn't matter the talent, right? Because you can just, you can literally light it on fire. We could say this about a lot of teams. So I understand if, if people want to debate this and, and have a rebuttal, but I think the Cowboys in particular, if, if something were to happen to CD lamb, that's a big drop on that depth chart. I know we like Cooks and Gallup, but like he's the dominant factor on that offense. They also lost Dalton Schultz, who was a huge security blanket for Dak Prescott. And they really have nothing at running back behind Tony Pollard, a complete unknown behind Tony Pollard, which is fine. I mean, make give Tony Pollard as many touches as possible. He's fantastic. But running backs get hurt, too. And if they're going to be as conservative as they say, and Tony Pollard gets hurt, um, so it, they don't have a lot of depth when it comes to weapons on this offense, as opposed to like some of these other elite offenses we see around the league, like uh, the Jaguars or the um, the Bengals when it comes to their weapons. So, yeah, I, I guess I'll say my, this though. after all yeah. this, like it's kind of like you said, though, after all the red flags that I just said as well, if someone said, OK, you have to bet the over or the under on their win total, I'm still betting the over. Oh, right? I agree. I, I, I'm not I I'm not I'm not betting the under. I completely agree with you. Like my yeah. my arguments against the Cowboys are completely about their ceiling and playoff outcomes. Like, can they get to the Super Bowl? And my answer to that is no. So I think the formula for me this year, week to week with the Cowboys, is fairly simple. Where if they're playing a team that I have higher in the ratings than them, I'm not going to bet on them to beat that team. I don't think they're going to punch above their class. So, mm-hmm. but if they're playing all these lower teams. We've seen them beat the crap out of those teams in recent years. So I think the formula is pretty simple for me week to week in terms of how I'm going to handicap these games for the Cowboys. Bet basketball, baseball, or hockey with a risk-free bet up to $600 at BetMGM. Sign up and use bonus code THELINES and you're on your way with the king of sportsbooks. Get the BetMGM app today and use promo code THELINES to make a risk-free bet up to $600. This is a new customer offer. Paid in free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years or older to wager. Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia only excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem. Call one 800 522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, and Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. And 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa and Tennessee. Call or text the red line at 800-889-9789. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. You're listening to the Lines.com Podcast Network. Looking for the latest player props and the best betting odds from the top U.S. sportsbooks all in one place? 
Then join us right here every day this season for free picks and best bets from the sports betting experts you can trust. Check out the lines.com NFL Megapod as Matt Brown, Stephen Andrus, and Adam Candy break down every game for this weekend's football slate. Join the Coast to Coast podcast crew Mondays through Fridays as Nate Weitzer and Josh Lander bring you the best player props and game lines for Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the NFL. And tune in to Beat the Closing Line twice a week as Nicole Russo, Mo Nawara, and Eli Hershkovich dive into NFL opening lines, plus special guests from the sports betting world. So subscribe, rate, and review to the Lines Podcast Network, the source you can trust to make you a better sports better. Your third betting shot in the NFC East is the New York Football Giants. Again, the best number you can find on them is plus 850 out there. And if you are really, really bullish on this team and you think that they can actually make a run, you can find a 66 to 1 out there on them to win the Super Bowl. So we know that they made Daniel Jones happy. They made Saquon Barkley happy. Steven, they traded for Darren Waller. They signed Bobby Okereke. They signed Okereke. They signed Ashawn Robinson. They signed Paris Campbell. They signed um, a couple of other a couple other guys that aren't necessarily going to be starters, but at least for depth purposes, drafted corner and Deontay Banks out of Maryland that people really liked. You know, there was some people who thought he might climb up the draft board on draft day. Got him a center in the second round. You have an upside wide receiver in the third round and Jalen Hyatt, who again could could absolutely blow this blow the roof off or be a giant bust but again a, a, an upside guy that they took right there there are pieces around all of this and I know we're we live in the running backs don't matter era I think there might only be a running back or two that actually do I think Saquon Barkley would be one of those guys you would probably consider in that tier he is physically athletically gifted higher than just about any other running back there is in the NFL and so uh naturally he's going to do some pretty good things out there. I think they're going to line Darren Waller up all over the field. I think Darren Waller might line up at, at wide out a decent amount of the time. Like I think that they'll utilize him. I really love Brian Dayball, which is why I think he's going to utilize these guys in the best way humanly possible. I just don't know. I just don't know playing in this division. It's, it's tough. Like you got four games against teams that are going to better Super Bowl favorites. Right. I mean, like that's, that's very tough. And you know, what if Daniel Jones, what if that was an outlier last season as opposed to the norm? That's also a question that will, you know, will get answered this year. But Steven is not out of the realm of possibility that Daniel Jones just had a career year last year. And he's actually more the guy that we saw the first couple of years than what we saw last year. Daniel Jones was a big part of my research on this team because I wanted to figure out if it was him taking a step or if it was mostly all Brian Dable, because I think you and I would both agree that Brian Dable is one of the, the best offensive minds yeah, in the it. NFL. So overall, the team was ninth in EPA on offense, 15th in success rate, 12th and 11th in drop back EPA and success rate. So very solid considering what we saw in previous years for the New York Giants passing offense. Daniel Jones was still sixth in completion percentage over expected. So he was not just taking what Dable was scheming up. He was actually producing a higher completion percentage than what was expected of him, which is a good sign. But it, he also was in the bottom five of the league in air yards. It was a very conservative approach, which I think, again, to give Dable credit, he saw that his offensive line is not very good. They were bottom right. five in the league in pass block win rate a year ago. So what does he do? Quick passes, short air yards, get the ball out of his hands, high efficiency, 
So they they may not have been getting as many chunk plays, but they were keeping the offense on the field and, and having success with it. So they're also very solid running the ball, seventh and sixteenth in rush EPA and success rate. So uh, I I will give Daniel Jones some credit, but I think that it's a similar situation this year where they need to take the hand that they were dealt and try and maximize it. This is not a team I think that makes a big leap offensively. I don't see huge improvements on the offensive line for this year. Uh, and and they were also 8-4-1 and one in one-score games a year ago with one of the easiest schedules last season by opponent win totals. Now they have the number 19 strength of schedule by opponent win totals with 10 toss-up games and five games that they're already projected to be fav- to be underdogs by three or more points. So it's a much more difficult task this year for the Giants. And if we took Dable's name off of the resume and just looked at this team you know, holistically, this would be a prime negative regression candidate in most years for us mm-hmm. if we're handicapping teams. Yeah, I, I'm I'm curious on the offensive side what you think, you know, the addition of a Darren Waller, kind of the emergence of an Isaiah Hodgins, which we're hearing out of camp, like, you know, be right. And of course, like, yeah. you know, this is like, this is obviously everybody looks awesome season, but like we're hearing <laughs> yeah. like, hey, this guy has taken real steps, you know, in the NFL. Like he actually looks like a real, actual good NFL receiver. Um, and again, Saquon Barkley, what he brings to the table, I I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic and listen, you, you still have when Sterling Shepard's able to come back, like from his injury, then you still, like we said, we still, you still have Jalen Hyatt. Who's kind of a, who's kind of a wild card as to what he might bring to the table. Uh, I think this, I think this offense, there is, we talk about a, there's a world that exists, right? I think there's a world that exists that this offense is at least like above league average, right? Like, I think that there is a world that exists where we're looking at them and going like, damn, that's kind of, they're, they're the 12th best offense in the NFL. Like that's, that's strange. Like I, I think that we, we live in a world where that could happen. I agree. Um, still not nowhere near in my mind competing with the, the elites in this league. I mean, if you look at what they did facing the Philadelphia Eagles last year, it was, uh, it, was, it was pretty ugly. We'll, we'll take away the Week 18 game, which was not really important to the Eagles. 48-22 to 22 loss in the regular season in the other game and a 38-7 to 7 loss. So they had no answer for the Eagles' offense, uh, did the Giants' defense. So, um, But to your point, can they punch above their class a little bit? I'm not going to rule that out for Brian Dable. I think he's, a, again, one of the sharpest offensive minds in the league. They will have to overcome more this season, though, because if, if they have five games where you're already a three-plus point dog and the over-under for their win total is seven and a half, well, you got two games you're projected to win easily. So that means, quick math, you need to win six of those ten toss-up games, which they did last year, and maybe they do again. So yeah. um, it's certainly in the, in, the, in the range of outcomes here. Always going to give Brian Dable the benefit of the doubt. Um, I just think that we are still seeing the negative effects of the dumpster fire that was the Dave Gettleman error for the Giants, and they're trying to play catch up with getting the talent where it needs to be on this roster because it's just not there yet. And when Darren Waller is your biggest offensive addition in the offseason, I mean, that's great, but the fact that he is this much of a headline for your offense speaks volumes for what your offense had before he arrived. Win total set at seven and a half. The overs even money. The under is actually juiced at minus one twenty. 
It's what I'll say you, it's 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 not often you have a team that comes off a nine win season and the over under seven and a half. So it is it does seem like it's kind of priced closer to the floor here. Yeah, I again, like I said, like I maybe I'm just a little bit higher on what Dayball brings to the table, right? Like I sure, think I'm sure. a little bit of a fanboy when it comes down to it, right? I think that I'm a little bit of a Dayball fanboy, and so with that, it's kind of probably probably gets into my head as to how I think this team might be, but you kind of look and it's like, you're going to beat the Cardinals. You're going to beat Washington. At least one of the two times, probably both times you're going to beat the Rams. You're likely to be right in it with the Patriots and the, and the Packers. You've got like a couple of these other games that might be kind of toss up. Saints game is certainly winnable. I don't, I'm not as high on the well, Jets like, as a lot of people. To, to I think the point, numbers are appropriate. Though, yeah. yeah, but to your point, like this is a this is a set set a, a reminder in the Google calendar because, you know, first six weeks of the season, Dallas, San Francisco, Seattle, yeah. Miami and Buffalo are on it's this a wrecking man. crew. Yeah, that is that is brutal. I mean, it's not it, would it surprise either of us if after six weeks they're one in five? No, I don't think it, it would. would At it that point, not. that's your buy low right there. That's your buy low. Yep, because you have two Washington games, you have a Patriots game, you have a Green Bay game, you have a New Orleans game, you have a Rams game. I mean, like, that is six very winnable games. Who the, who the hell knows what the Browns are going to look like? I'm higher on them than a lot of people, but, like, you know, maybe Deshaun Watson really is washed. I, the Jets' offense is still a work in progress, in my opinion. So, like, yeah, I, I, it's, it's interesting with that, and I, I'm with you. I wouldn't bet anything preseason, but, boy, Come back and see what that record is as they head into week seven, and maybe that's the time to pounce uh, here on that one. The final team in this division, and this is a team I want absolutely nothing to do with, the Washington <laughs> Commanders. Um, Steven, look, they're going to go with Sam Howell. And to be fair, I do want to say this about this. Like, had Sam Howell come out a year before he did, he would have been in real consideration to be a first-round quarterback. And going into his final season in college, he was still looked at as a potential first-round quarterback. Things just didn't go well, and so he fell in, in, in the draft. So there were things that professional scouts that you and I are not, like saw in Sam Howell that thought that this guy could actually be a really good NFL quarterback. So, you know, we say this all the time, you know, we're, like, we're not talent evaluators, right? So I, I, the people who are did see something. In him now, if he doesn't work out, they did sign Jacoby Brissett, so he's a dude that can come in and at least be somewhat serviceable. Andrew Wiley, they brought in on the offensive line at right tackle. Nick Gates is a center they brought in. Cody Barton at linebacker, so they they did do that. Emmanuel Forbes is a corner they took in the middle of the first round. He's gonna uh, he's gonna start for them. I really like that pick. I saw a lot of him play. I think he's gonna be a stud in in the league. But I hate these teams where I have to look at you and go this is really and truly whether the quarterback position is going to be a dumpster fire or not. But like, this is really and truly whether this quarterback position could be a dumpster fire or not. You've got Terry McLaurin, you've got Dotson, you got Samuel, you got Thomas, you got uh, Robinson and in, in the backfield, Gibson in the backfield. Like there are, There's there, there are guys, There's there are yes. dudes, but like if Sam Howell's terrible, we know that this could be a, th a three or four win team. Yeah, I agree. I mean, a lot, I think a lot of your opinion for the Washington Commanders comes down to how much you think Eric Bieniemy adds here. Mm -hmm. And 
if we're going down narrative street, there's been plenty talked about the little bit of potential friction there. Um, I honestly, I thought people making a big deal of what Ron Rivera said was blown out of proportion, but it's at least notable that the players aren't like liking his style at this mm. point. And maybe they, maybe some wins will cure that, but um, it's at least notable that things are not off to a smooth start with this offense and getting it installed with the enemy coming in there. So combine that with the fact that their their win total is quite low. What I think it's six and a half. Um, yeah, six and a half. And right now they are underdogs of three or more points in nine games this year. So that leaves eight games and you need to win seven of those eight if you want to get over six and a half. That's that seems like a tall task. Either the market is completely mis misrating this team mm-hmm. or they have an uphill climb to get to this win total. And I think a lot of that depends on whether you think a fifth round second year quarterback with a brand new OC who, for whatever reason, has been passed over a million times for a head coaching job um, and now has some chemistry issues reportedly with his own offensive players at his new spot. It seems like a lot could go wrong here on the offense. Now, the defense, Matt, I think it's quite possible that three of the five best defenses in all the league are in this division. <laughs> it's it's like you don't really get it until you start to look and like they got dudes kind of like all over the field and certainly at all the positions. Right? I mean, like Kendall Fuller, one of the better corners graded in pro football focus all last season. We know Montez Sweat is an absolute stud. If you never even heard of Cameron Curl, he's a guy that was one of the best graded safeties in all the NFL last year. And then you've got Chase Young coming back to to, to pair him along with Jonathan Allen. So it's like, dude, this defense has some players, man. Like they got some, they got some studs on that side of the ball. Statistically, it's kind of easy to forget how good they were on defense number one success rate defense a year ago so play to play they were the best mm-hmm. number one in drop back success rate pass play to pass play they were the best top five in epa per play allowed so they weren't even giving up a ton of chunk plays top five in rush epa and success rate allowed Top 10 and run stop win rate. There is no weakness on this defense, essentially. No, and 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 even better, they were third in the NFL in third and out percentage. So like they were just making guys like have to punt all the time, right? Like, I mean, they were got people like this defense was so good they were not allowing people to put string together drives. Like that just wasn't happening either. I'm checking real quick here to see week one. They're a, they're a big favorite against Arizona. Like you want to see how bad Arizona is this year. Check yeah. the week one spread where they're a six point dog to Washington of all teams. Yeah. So, uh, but, but I think uh, anything on that over under that starts with a four is incorrect. So that might be a bet for me. And look, it has moved a little bit now we're at 39 and a half. So there has been some money on the under. Uh, I still might bet that under because we might have like Clayton Toon against Sam Howell week one. And uh, I'm I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure any team's getting to 21 points in that game. <laughs> yeah, it's look, it's too hard for to bet anything preseason. I think on this Washington team, I, I like, look, this is 
this is my biggest kind of wait and see team that there is because I think that you're looking at a team that has at least a little bit of upside if Sam Howell is is decent because I, I think this defense is still going to play well. I think this defense is going to keep them in a lot of games. And Stephen, this might not translate to wins necessarily on the field, but like, look, if we're just betting spreads, right, we need teams to, especially these dogs, to be able to to keep it you know fairly tight or be able to put together some sort of hero um, backdoor cover for us or whatever. And like Sam Howell's got guys, I mean, Terry McLaurin and Curtis Samuel and John yep. Dodson and all that, like he's got guys that if like we need kind of that like garbage time score and all that. They're out there. It's just, can he actually put the ball in the radius of which those guys can catch it and move it and advance it down the field, right? And so I'm not willing to invest in them long-term, but I think on a week-to-week basis, so long as Sam Howell is competent, they might be a team that like are, is worth betting on a week-to-week basis. I think you're completely right about that. You know, I was kind of trying to, as we went through these teams, find who's going to be this year's Lions, a team with a bad record but covers a lot of spreads. We talked about the Texans were maybe one of those candidates. I think Washington is potentially the other. When they're when they're more than a field goal underdog, it's a spot where you might want to back them to cover that spread. And uh, I'll I'll say this: Week two, they were they are plus three and a half at Denver. Denver went from a pick'em to minus four and a half already in week one against yeah. Las Vegas, which we'll talk about when we get to week one more. That's that's an insane line move for the middle of the summer. Uh, but if the market is right and Denver comes out and wins by margin against Las Vegas, the, the same thing's going to happen week two against Washington. We're going to get an even better number on Washington than the plus three and a half we're looking at right now. So Circle that one on the calendar. We might get a really good number because let me tell you, I don't care what Sean Payton's offense looks like against Las Vegas. That defense is not the Washington defense. So that's a spot where we could possibly get a really juicy spot to back Washington second week of the season. Guys, uh, summary of this podcast all in on the friggin' Eagles. All right. that's That's where we're at. We're just all in on the friggin' Eagles. Everything you can do with the Eagles, just be all in on the Eagles. Now, if you haven't uh, taken in our content before, whether this is on the audio side or over on the video side, everything we do, absolutely free. So please go ahead, give us a follow, give us a like, give us a rating, give us all those different little things, depending on which platform you're on. We do appreciate that. Go ahead, hit the subscribe button. And uh, listen, we're going to crank out a ton of content all season long. Everything, again, absolutely free for every single sport. If you're over on the lines.com, upper right-hand corner, there's a little Discord button as well. Click on that. You can join that community for free, and everyone's just in there talking sports. Great community, and uh, that also absolutely free as well. We're going to be back. We're running through every one of these divisions before the NFL season starts, and of course, we will be here each and every week giving you our thoughts on the week's NFL games and hopefully continue on with some pretty couple of pretty good seasons that we built off of here at the lines. Uh, for Steven, I'm Matt. Good luck on all your bets. 